Welcome to Perspectives, a podcast by Essence Learning LLC, and a place where leaders learn from leaders. Let's join today's episode. Hello, welcome to Essence Learning Podcast Perspectives. It's so good to see you guys today. Uh, if you're viewing, I hope that you can hear us very well. We have a great topic for you today, uh, generational differences in the workplace. I'm Valerie Wilson, and I have co-host here to help us just to have some discussions around the impact of the various generations that we now have in our workplace and how it's shifted the way that we operate uh, from day to day, how we make decisions and the things that we do within our workplace. So I'm so excited to welcome Joe Waters. Uh, and Ruben Gonzalez, as well as Katie Uminski, some lifetime friends of mine, uh, and it's a very uh, multi-generational group of folks who have a lot to share in this space. So welcome to all of you. I'm just going to start off so that our listeners can, can get an idea of what we mean by the five generations that's in the workplace. I'm going to actually read through what those definitions of those generations are. So we're going to start off with a little education and then we'll just dive into some questions if that's okay with you guys. Okay. All right. So let's briefly walk through the five generations. We have traditionalists. Traditionalists were born between 1928 and 1945. They are older individuals, generally age 70 or more, who are either working because they want to or they must. And they are influenced directly by their environment and uh, were most vulnerable to being affected by COVID physically and mentally. Now, get in mind that we're not labeling people um, in terms of this is an all end all, but this is a predictable type of behavior based upon the experiences of that generation. Baby boomers born between 1946 and uh, 1964, half of this generation was raised in the 60s amidst um, Vietnam War while other half was during the political segregation of the 70s. Unsurprisingly, this group tends to distrust the government. Again, generally speaking, when we look at Generation Xers where they were born between 1965 and 1980, a much more progressive and educated generation than those between uh, before them, the Generation Xers are very uh, independent individuals and were the first to truly embrace technology, both for the education and for entertainment. Then we have our millennials. Generation Y was born between 1981 and 1996. This is often a misunderstood generation um, and it's described as being ingrained in technology, very team-driven and multitaskers. So this generation is our multitaskers, those millennials. And then we have our Generation Zs, which was born between 1997 and 2012. Um, the younger generation who often can't go a day without their screens. That's what they've been defined, described as. And Generation Zs are the most interconnected uh, with social circles and which really en encompass the whole globe. And I know that from many places with, with where we work and, and um, the, the teams that we work with come from these multiple generations. And so as we start to think about what does it take for us as leaders to engage this multiple generation? How does it take for us to really um, accept and step back and allow this these various generations to, to contribute? Um, that's what some of our questions are gonna be about today. I'd also love to hear some of your experiences and your generation as, as, uh, as, you, as your role and how your generational experiences have you know, um, guided you uh, and maybe some of them may have hindered you. So let's talk through that. 
So my first question, I'm going to shoot to you, Ruben, if that's okay, is what are some of the diversity related um, tensions that maybe you've experienced because of multiple generations in the workplace? How did you overcome that barrier? And I'll ask that again. What are some of the diversity related tensions uh, that you've experienced because of the multiple generations in the workplace? And how did you overcome that barrier? Ruben, we'll start off with you and then we'll ask everyone else on our panel to jump in with, with, with their responses. Sure, Val, thank you. So Ruben Gonzalez uh, in the space of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, and maybe just so that all of us can level sit here when we think about diversity related tension. And I'm sorry, there was an echo. Can you hear me just fine? Yeah, you're doing okay, great. Okay, great. So thinking about diversity related tension and what that means, and it's really the, the stresses and strains when we think about, you know, a mixture of differences and sometimes even similarities, right, can cause it. So it's not always the differences and it's neither good nor bad. It's just tension or stresses, if you will, conflicts at times that arise from these differences. And so being in this space, this is why I have a job, quite frankly, right, is helping, <laughs> helping our workforce navigate how we appreciate and move from tension to really trust and respect and what that means. Um, I'd love to say that there were a go-to e-learning we could send everyone to, um, or, you know, a, a seminar or a series of seminars that can help, you know, our, the evolution of our workforce transcend and move beyond. But really, it, it's incumbent on each one of us to kind of take a step back and vow to maybe marinate on the multiple generations that we have in our workforce and how we as an organization can start to complement and bring to the forefront those differences and move from maybe fear to appreciation. And I think a big component of that really is in company culture. So, you know, without going into the multiple of programs or, or different things and initiatives that we've done to try to bridge the gap, I would say that a key, a, a strong company culture with a clear vision has always been fundamental because it's kind of that North Star that everyone can right. be on. And as part of that, building in an inclusive culture, right? Not just culture when we think about your mission and vision, right? But this aptitude and this yearning for learning and being curious about other individuals, I think fosters that inclusive, strong culture, whereby differences no longer become tension. They become that curiosity that people start to explore and embrace. I, I, I love that. So I'm just going to pick a little of what I heard out of that and, and uh, definitely want to leave space for Joe and Katie to jump in. But what I heard you say was to take that step back individually and culturally as an organization to actually identify ways that we could move ourselves from fear, you said, to appreciation. And I, I love that. So this is really an intentional act that we need to do to consider that, hey, I need to take on an aptitude of curiosity, you said. And you said we need to actually learn how to learn, want to be more curious about learning more about people. So that's going to help us when we take that step back, get that aptitude of curiosity when we step back to learn more. And then let's step into that space and try to move each one of us individually and culturally as an organization to a place of appreciation. Great, great tips for our, for our companies and our leaders to hear. Thank you for that. Katie. Yeah. So I have an example um, where I think also just this idea of understanding people and why they're doing things right so like i had a coworker one time and um and she was a baby boomer i'm a gen xer and you know baby boomers they they work these long hours they want to show themselves they come in early they stay late they want to climb up the ladder and gen x is more of like 
while I'm here, I'm working, I'm working hard, I'm independent, but I also want my work-life balance. Um, and so I remember one day she was complaining to me and saying, I'm always working, I'm always here, and I've always got all this stuff to do. And I remember just looking at her like, why is this a problem? Like, why don't you just leave? You know, <laughs> um, but it opened up this conversation. Cause I was like, Oh, that's right. She's a baby boomer. She feels this need to have to be here to show face. And so I, we just talked about it. And so we talked about like, you know, Hey, I think you've, you've built your credibility. Our boss like appreciates you, you know, are there things that I can help you while you're here? And um, to be able to help you to be able to, have that balance to maybe um, for you to be able to leave a little bit early or to be able to not have to come in so early to feel like you have to be here. And um, she really appreciated that conversation because she opened up and just shared that she really felt like she had to be there to have that FaceTime. That and, awesome. and I said, that's, you've built that credibility now. And so move you're go ahead and now let's just try to get that work-life balance. So I think that that's an important part. Like if we don't understand, then I would have just kept being frustrated with her and thinking, why, are, why do you feel like you have to be here all the time? And, um, and I'm not here all the time. So is that going to hinder me? And there could have been some conflict or tension there had we not talked about it, recognized our differences and understood where that stemmed from. Wow. And, you know, Katie, you, you hit, a very important element that we want to make sure our listeners hear is you have to have the conversation to remove that diverse related tension. You know, you stepped into that place and, and led the conversation, but she also stepped into it and was receptive of it. So I think the conversations, it's the only way that it's going to move us to where, you know, some of the places that Ruben was talking about, how to move us from fear to appreciation is we've got to learn how to have that conversation. I'm, okay. I'm afraid that I'm gonna, not going to be seen. I'm afraid that I'm not going to be appreciated. And you're like, I'm afraid I'm not going to have work life. But whatever those fears are, how do we move us all to a place of appreciation? I love mm -hmm. that. So that example um, we all should take with us is to have that conversation. You also mentioned, um, I don't know, uh, what I took away was about the core values that, that each of you hold. Um, and particularly from a baby boomer, I'm going to stop there because I think maybe she can help us out with some of those things that those baby yeah. boomers hold as a core value. I was laughing when Katie was talking because that's me. Um, the The concept of, of a church staff has changed so much now. And our church really does run like an office. Like you think of, you know, organization and uh, organizational skills. So we're headed by an executive pastor with a management degree, a PhD in management. Yeah. In a lot of this conversation. So the things I took away from Katie first was, yeah, the core values. Um, I don't know what it is, but our generation, like I am there. They say, hey, you're there from 10 to four, whatever. I am there. I notice if other people aren't, and it's usually the younger ones. And, you know, it's, and we don't check in and all that, but I don't, what I really like what you said was the conversation, communication, and then I pulled out the curiosity uh, piece is that um, as a congregational care pastor, staff pastor, I not only care for the, the people, but I care for the staff. I literally go to every office and I will engage everybody. And we have people from 20 up to 60 in our offices. So uh, the curiosity piece, I think, helps to smooth over a lot of the tension 
because I really care about who you are. I care about what you're going through. I care about your perspective on this project or this thing we're doing. And inclusiveness was mentioned earlier. So I think uh, a lot of that tension and a lot of that um, embracing diversity comes from making people feel like, hey, I really do want to know what you think. I really, you know, I want to understand what our differences are so we can complement each other. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing is um, I consider myself one of the older members of the staff and I want the younger generation to see me as a mentor, to see me as somebody they can talk to or share things with, with no judgment. So right. that personal side of being embraced and accepted really beefs up the business side so we can have a better relationship when we're doing business. Makes sense. Showing that you care first makes it a whole lot easier to navigate through those difficult um, business decisions and, 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 and yeah. things that come up. When things get difficult, people know that you care. It's a little easier to manage through that. So you guys really left some fa some fabulous tips on the table. I hope everyone who's out there listening and really have your notepads out. I say that probably every podcast because I, you know, I take notes throughout all of them and I'm hoping that you do this. You guys are leaving some tip, positive tips. How about you, Katie? I'm going to throw this next question to you. So how can an organization navigate and embrace the five generations in the workplace? I know that everybody doesn't have five, but how can you navigate the multiple uh, and, and embrace the multiple generations? in the workplace. Can you get yeah. started on that? Yeah, I think it's, it's going to be a lot of give and take for every generation, right? I mean, when the baby boomers came into the workplace, I'm sure the traditionalists were like, who are these people and why are they want all this stuff? And then when the Gen Xers came in and there were Gen Xers were wanting certain things and those baby boomers were probably like, this is ridiculous, you know? Yeah. Um, and now we've got this new generation that's two new generations of millennials and Gen Y now that were, they're coming in and so I think it's it's got to be one your organization has to have its culture you know I mean your organization is going to be your organization and what that culture is and um, but I think a big part of it is listening and really understanding uh, and adjusting as as you can um, and then having that flexibility and I think a big part of that is, is one being able to understand but also have knowing who you are as an organization and if you if you have your vision and your goals, then this is kind of where you're at. And so some generations may not fit into your organization as well, right? And um, and so I think that, or it's now looking and seeing what can we do as an organization to adjust or to say these are kind of our expectations. Do you do you like it or not? You know and. Um, um, so some, some organizations may not be a fit for everybody. And I think that that's kind of a important, important takeaway. But I think it's also important for organizations to reevaluate their culture and their vision and to say, hey, we have these new generations coming in. Are there shifts that we need to make? Are there shifts yeah. that we can make? Or are these shifts that we can't make based on our business and who we are? And really trying to step back, especially for some of like the baby boomers who um, who have been doing it a certain way for so long that, that that would be a big change. And, you know, I think that COVID has kind of helped us a little bit in some of those shifts where we a lot of organizations had to change the way that they, they did things. 
and it forced the baby boomers to do some things that they weren't necessarily used to. So I think it's evaluating some of those things, evaluating our vision, evaluating our expectations, um, and listening, understanding, and then going back and setting expectations are some of my thoughts. Thank you for that. So I heard evaluating first, you know, what are the the changes that and the shifts that are happening or need to happen. Mm -hmm. um, and then actually listening to what those changes look like, how will they impact us? And then understanding the impact and how, and if your organization can shift, um, if the adjustment is can be done and, and, and still make business sense. And mm -hmm. I think what we're hearing, um, a lot of organizations say, Katie, and um, I think uh, Ruben probably gonna help me tap in on that, is that these shifts are going to happen because the leadership is going to shift. And, you know, okay. we're baby boomers are going to go home and rest sometime, and mm -hmm. sooner or later the millennials will be that that leadership, and so their thought process and their way of leading will be the new normal. And so, are we as an organization? Can we still be competitive when that shift happens? And I think that's what a lot of organizations are starting to ask themselves. I now know that. You know, those Generation X and Millennials are going to be our leaders. You, Katie, are moving into your organization and executive leaders. Kate uh, Rubin is as well. And, you know, Generation X and Millennials are moving into those leadership roles that we, you know, Joe and I used to hold. <laughs> We're leaving, right? And so the, the way that you do business, obviously, is going to be different the way we were. So how can we adjust? Um, mm -hmm. It's what I heard you say. And I, I think... Um, that adjustability, that agility, that flexibility is huge as you started us down that road, Katie. And I hope people take that away because what Katie said is that we've got to be willing to hear each other and then adjust. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, thank you for that, Katie. I, I, that, that was a key takeaway. And I think it's just a good reminder um, for us as an organization that we're going to have to adjust whether we want to or not. Because, That's right. Um, the, the shift is happening. People are <laughs> millennials. <laughs> Shifts happen. I'll say that carefully. Happen. <laughs> and the traditionalists and the baby boomers are going to retire one day, uh, yeah. age age out one day. So, yeah, it's, it's happening sooner than later. Ruben and um, Joe, I'll leave leave some time for you all on this question. And it's good. What are some of the? I mean, how can an organization navigate and embrace these multiple generations in the workplace? I was thinking as Katie was talking about this word disruptive innovation. You know, where COVID has come in and uncovered things that we're doing that we can do better. Um, and so to, we were forced to be innovative. Now, I know this, the corporate, corporate and secular. Can y'all imagine what the church was going through to realize, hey, now we've got to be online. We've got to do Zoom. We've got to have social media. And look, our young people stepped up. That that those multiple those younger generations really helped to take some of that stress and and answer some of those questions. We hired on some some young people to do Instagram, to do uh, the Facebook, to handle um, the changes that we were going to have to make. That in our um, field, we never really put much stock in that. The other thing I think. Um, when we're navigating and embracing the generations oh, is getting ahead. 
I think that managers and leaders and coworkers, we need to be ahead of the issue and to look and say, almost like a coach. Okay, I, and I used to coach basketball. I, who do I need on the floor right now? And these are the people I need to shape and have them ready to go because just like COVID came, something else is coming. We could go through another two and a half years of something else. So just getting ahead, staying ahead, and embracing what these generations in all of their diversity have to bring to the table for the changes ahead. Powerful, powerful. Thank you for that. That's just, um, never thought about it from that industry perspective, how the impact of that change for the last couple of years have had mm. just getting on Zoom, which now seems like so simple. But yeah. two years ago, it was, what? <laughs> <laughs> right. So how about you, Ruben, anything to add to that before we move on? You know, I might, I think I have completely conflicting uh, views of, of my dear panelists here. I'm, I, I apologize. You know, I, we're about. <laughs> and it might be because, uh, so I'm in a, I'm in a global role. So when I think about generations, it's not so U.S. centric. And, and I think perhaps we're, we're leaning on this U.S. centric ideology of what those generations are. Um, so for, first that, and secondly, as defined by what we're putting today as a definition of generations, I, you know, I would consider myself a boomer then, you know, of sorts, because I, I had to learn technology really quickly because of COVID. I was never a video person. I only just learned Instagram last year, and it was because I was trying to stay up with the times with our workforce. So I, you know, maybe I just don't fit the traditional bucket, but I, I would caution our listeners that we have to think about the complexities of people and the different layers, the diversity dimensions that they bring, ethnicity, race, not just generation, all those will impact how someone perceives their own reality. And by that means how they engage in work and what they value. And so you may have a millennial who likes to get there at 7.30 and leave at 7 p.m. because that's just part of the ingrained instilled value that they grew up, you know, as an individual by means of perhaps their culture. So... I know this is great context to better understand people, but I would hope that we would evolve. And when we think about our workforce, we're really just thinking about what's important to you? What do you value? And let me see if I can pull on those heartstrings because I think at the end of the day, we all might find that we value family, we value respect, we value trust. And you know what? I want to be equitably paid. Yeah, you know, that paycheck's important because I don't know about you all here, but I got bills to pay, so I want to be equitably paid, right? And if we if we can hit those markers, um, I think the conversation of generational differences will be a, a conversation more about knowledge than how do we adjust. Yeah, I think if you pin that, uh, if you pin that concept, Ruben, I think that we can take away all of the different dynamics. Mm -hmm. um, if we look at just, you know, finding that theme that goes through all of us, rather no matter what your age, your race, your gender, your, I think kind of what you talked about, those common things that we all desire as humans, you know, mm -hmm. regardless of that. And so I think um, your, 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 your thought and your theory, I think we all can agree with that, that that is something that pins through no matter what, you know, no matter what your age, your race, your gender, we all want to be respected and we all want to be heard and we all want to be paid. <laughs> you know, so all of those things uh, as we're in the workplace, I think those are 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 all fair uh, comments to make, and I think we can all agree with with you about that. All righty. Next, I'm going to throw the next one to you too. I, I think um, while while I have you, 
Ruben, why don't we talk a little bit about, um, and, and since your perspective was a little different, you may have a little different twist on this question as well, but uh, predictably millennials tend to want to be judged by their performance and quality of work, not hours at the desk. And that's kind of where um, Katie took us uh, with her examples. And with millennials being the majority of the entire workforce, how has this shaped today's workplace culture? Do you see that in your workplace? Absolutely. I think we, we, we keep mentioning this idea of company culture and how important that is. And really what we're speaking to is, are we consistently thinking about how we are and who we are to our workforce? And the reality is, Millennials just want more, and rightfully so. They expect more for an organization. They are no longer just a paycheck. They're the resource that they lean on for guidance. They are the best friend that they have. They mm -hmm. are at times the, the group of people that they can foster and feel comfortable with by means of perhaps an employee resource group. And so when we're thinking about how do we evolve organ organizations, they don't need to think about how do we, how do we capture, how do we, you know, change our organization to cater to millennials, they simply need to think about in, in today's world, what is it that employees want? Not just millennials, but what is it that people want? What is it that they're yearning for? And how do we, how do we as an organization step up to the plate to provide that? And those are the key differences that I see organizations, the investments that they're making now by means of that. And obviously a, a, a big component of that is, is catering to the appeal of what millennials want, but really quite frankly, I think what all of us want. You know, we, I, I don't, I, I would venture to say that no one just simply wants a paycheck anymore. They want to feel like they're invested in a bigger, greater vision. And by means of creating an inclusive culture, you can continue to stay, dare I say, current with what the workforce wants and what millennials want. Okay. Current. I'm going to keep going with that. Katie? Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think um, especially now millennials really, when they first came into the workplace, it was a big deal when they were coming in. But now I feel like they've, um, they're, they're not the new generation anymore, right? So they're really ingrained in companies' cultures. And to Ruben's point, you know, there's no generation that doesn't want a day off or doesn't want work-life balance, right? I think we all would love more vacation time, more time. Um, but I think, you know, Gen X brought the work-life balance aspect into the workplace. And to Ruben's point, I think the millennials have brought that fresh air of like, we want, we want the company to recognize us. We want some recognition. And mm -hmm. I think that that's a great benefit that that the value of that generation that they've brought into the organization and that organizations now are, are having to grasp on. And then now looking at Gen Z and what is coming up with Gen Z. Wow. So do you think that pace that we've been, you, 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 you talked about the Gen X's and now the millennials and now the, how do you, are we keeping up with the pace as an organization? Um, are we making the change fast enough, do you think? Um, I, I think it was very slow at the beginning, but now I think organizations are starting to grasp onto that. Um, and at least I'm seeing in um, other organizations that I work with that um, 
at the beginning, there was a lot of hesitation, but now they've kind of realized and listened and understood and gained more knowledge about what this generation wants. And that's like, oh, and by the way, we, we like that too, if we really are honest with ourselves. And so they're embracing those things into the culture. So we'll be able to be more uh, agile, as you were mentioning earlier for us. Okay, gotcha. So I think I think this experience over and over again is helping us to adjust a little faster with each new uh, millennial, I mean, each new generation that comes in into the workplace. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Joe, how can a leader better manage their own personal assumptions and biases and seek to understand the views and the experiences of these generations as they come into um, workplace? You know, these, as, as Katie and both uh, Ruben mentioned, their generations have different viewpoints and approaches. How can we um, kind of help manage our own biases and assumptions? So, so one of the things that I taught sociology for 15 years at St. Philip's was this word cultural relativism. And it, it has that global, that global idea of uh, not being so stuck and so self, you know, ethnocentric that you don't reach out and try to understand the cultures, the backstories, the 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 journey of other people. So one of the ways that we can uh, kind of decrease, you know, by nature we're going to make assumptions, but one is catch ourselves doing that by being culturally relative, by being, as we said earlier, curious, by being inclusive um, and, and trying, to, trying to really know people at a personal level so we can understand the, the work level. And one of the ways that I have enjoyed doing that is through our Gallup strengths that we as a staff, we took that and we shared it. And you know, the coach took us through it and we actually got to understand what each person top five strengths were. And then as we're going through, we put, put the backstories, the journeys, the things that we've shared and our personality, you know, we put all that together to have a better management. When I walk into a situation, or I read a room, I have something that I can work with other than my bias. Right. I have information. I love that. You have something else to work with other than your bias. That's um, to, if, if even if you whatever tool that is, mm -hmm. the organization needs to introduce something in, introduce something into the organization, or each leader needs to introduce something into their teams that can allow them to see people mm -hmm. beyond their biases. I, 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 that's huge. So I hope I hope uh, we take that away. Find something that will allow us to see people beyond our biases. Great. Anybody have anything to add to that? Thank you, Joe. I think our time is winding up. So I wanted to get to our, our um, last question, Katie. So what are some of the, uh, the benefits of cross-generational men mentorship? I, uh, are there benefits to cross-generational benefits? Uh, yeah, I, I think for sure. You know, we have an internship program in our organization, and we'll have some of the more senior baby boomer generation that's mentoring those new these college students that are coming in for the summer. And, you know, I, I think with that, it allows that older generation, whether it's baby boomer or Gen X, to be able to share their knowledge of the organization and kind of the ins and outs of this is what you should and shouldn't do. Um, but it also allows that um, new generation, whether they're millennials or uh, Gen Z, to be able to 
bring in new ideas and fresh ideas. And when they're in that mentorship and they've got that relationship, it's set up with the understanding of I'm going to share something with you and you're going to share something with me. And we're both coming in together, hoping to get something out of this relationship. And I think it helps both generations open their little blinders and be able to see what benefits those that generation brings to the organization. Awesome. Still taking us right back, Katie, to that listening and understanding and adjusting. So mm -hmm. I hear you from, you know, this is the way we operate. And hey, have you considered this? And it's to the right people that's going to help right. make those adjustments. And together, they can adjust into the organization and the organization can adjust to what's coming into the. So I love that listening and to adjusting. I'm going to keep taking us back to that. So that's great. Who wants to jump on that? Anybody before we we move on? Benefits to mentorship. I know uh, I'm going to call you out, Ruben. I know you guys are looking at mentorship programs. <laughs> <laughs> we are. We're, we're exploring mentorship programs, and for the reason that we realize that there's going to be a huge, you know, cliff coming soon, if not already. We're you know we're, we're reaching that cliff whereby if we don't capture this knowledge. Of, of, of that uh, workforce that has been, you know, with the organization or organizations for years, we're, we're going to lose it. And we have maybe the next five, maybe, maybe seven to 10 years to do that. And so starting and bridging those relationships by means of great mentorship programs um, or, or fostering that community of thought within like an employee resource group is, is so important. And I think it allows for individuals to have a safe space, to have an honest conversation without putting so much pressure. And so for us, that's what we're trying to achieve is, is quite frankly, you know, we're being, I guess, a little, little boastful, a little selfish in that we want to get that knowledge transfer. Um, but also we want, we want those employees that are coming in fresh. And so often they are younger, but not always to feel like they are a part of the culture. And I think that happens with those engaging conversations with employees that have been there for two, 20, 30 years. I, lo I love that comment, Ruben, that you're also you're doing that and you're they feel a part of the organization. Right. Mm -hmm. Like that's bringing them in. I like that. That yeah. comment and integrating them into the system. All good. Stuff. It, yeah. All good stuff. I think okay. life lessons, life lessons. Yeah, I might give you a silly example, but my father, who grew up um, a Latino right from Mexico, Mexican descent, thought that his world was always going to be Catholic children who are married to women. And he has two gay sons now that, you know, are religious, but perhaps not Catholic. And so we're we're kind of taking him on this journey and he's evolving as a person. And so often he tells me, you know, I, you know, I, I got one of my guys and he told me about this thing. And uh, I saw that y'all are watching that show called Dragway. So y'all can look it up for anybody that's interested. <laughs> but, you know, I see my dad building these relationships with those individuals that are bringing just a different perspective. And he himself is evolving and helping to better engage and be a better father. So I think there are a multitude of, of benefits when we do these things and help people access different experiences and then they get to grow and learn. That's mm -hmm. right. Access. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Thank you for that story. I know our time is winding up. Joe, I, do you have anything to add before? I, 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 I would just say to Ruben's point, one of the wonderful things that I get to do as a care pastor and is to bring in programming that meets the needs that people have, that we learn through conversation, that we learn through interaction and relationship. And so um, I, I just love the, the idea of 
programming and bringing in what people need to be their best selves. Awesome. Well, as always, uh, you all bring such wonderful perspectives. I love these podcasts because it does give us different perspectives. Um, and they just kind of roll off your tongue. It's nothing that we've we planned. And so I, I know that there's more to say, but we've got to end it right now. I will allow everyone just to go out, uh, go around. And if there's a last point that you'd like to leave with our listeners before we close, uh, let's do that. Um, but I want to stop start by saying thank you so much for your contributions to, to this discussion and to this topic. And if there's a last tip that you'd like to leave with our listeners, let's do that now. Ruben, how about you? Well, I always like to say that I think we, we're, we're asking a lot of individuals and, you know, we know some people, some people always feel like, ah, do I have to do that for someone else? If not for someone else, do it for yourself. I mentioned this in, in one of our last uh, podcasts, which was by you engaging in curiosity and getting to know other perspectives, right? Being a more inclusive leader or manager or person, you yourself will be a better person and will, your career will foster more of it. So if for nothing else, do it selflessly. <laughs> Thank you for that. Katie? And I would just say, I mean, just going back to kind of what I've just been saying, especially as a leader, it's really understanding the, the individualization of each of your employees or team members or people that you interact with and really having good conversations with them to gain, gain understanding um, before jumping to conclusions and, and um, listening to that and also looking at yourself of what you need to adjust in that relationship that's not just expecting them to change but it's a two-way two it's a two-way that relationship and so you're you have a part in that as well and so how can you knowing the individualization of that, that person what can you do to adjust and bring out the best in them thank you for that that's, that's beautiful and we'll let you close this out, Joe. <laughs> I was just um, just listening. I just think that we're at a time and a place in society where it's no longer people over profits. I mean, the profits over people, it's relationships, it's understanding roles, it's buy-in. And the buy-in comes from feeling like you're included and you're accepted and you're embraced and you're valued. Thank you so much. All wonderful tips. Thank you. We'll end our podcast here. Again, thank you all for our co for co-hosting. Please, for listeners, we hope that you uh, will join us. Uh, all the podcasts that we have, you can also go out to essencelearning.net to learn more about the solutions and the products that we offer, um, as well as more podcasts um, that you can listen to. We're signing off now. Have a good one. Thank you for joining Perspectives, a podcast by Essence Learning LLC. Essence Learning is your solution to personal and professional development. We partner with our clients to develop a learning strategy that will increase productivity, enhance performance, and align with their purpose and goals. For more information visit us online at essencelearning.net or call us at 1-877-657-5755.